Meet Your Maker makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. This episode of the Flushman Dustin Podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready. Reliable equipment driving inspiration in the outdoors. And all of their equipment is sourced and handcrafted here in the U.S. of A. Their mission is to build gear that's extremely durable, highly versatile, and ultra-light to further enable your journey into the field, regardless of where the road may lead. So be sure to go out and check out Hunt Ready at H-U-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. That's HuntReady.com. This episode is also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. They're focused on the safety and comfort of our hunting dogs. We personally carry the Gundog Outdoors first aid kit, as it has all of the items that we need to keep our dogs safe in the event of an injury. Be sure to go check out gundogoutdoors.com and use code RINGNECKS to save you some cash. Hunters, welcome back to another Flushing with Dustin podcast. Tonight we have Doug Davis on. He is from Arizona. Um, what is the temperature like down there in friggin' Iowa right now? It's like 105 heat degree index. It's crazy. Yeah, right now we're running 100, anywhere between 105 and about 112 degrees. Damn, 112? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we're hitting the 100 degree mark by about 9 a.m. Wow, that's awesome. But anyways, Doug is a... He trains bird dogs for a hobby and hunting the uplands is his passion. So we're excited to bring you on, Doug. Um, obviously, talk about training dogs, how you do it in Arizona with those type of temperatures, uh, what your you know game plans are during the day to get that in. And uh, we'll just talk about chasing birds, training dogs, and uh, try to have a good time. So if you could uh, introduce yourself for everybody listening and uh, we'll take it from there. Sure, you bet. My name is Doug Davis. Um, I live in Mesa, Arizona, um, community about, uh, I'd say probably about 20 miles outside of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, lived in Arizona all my life. And uh, I've been hunting, I started upland hunting, oh gosh, when I was uh, about 27 years old. I'm and I'm 56 now. <laughs> do, say, do, you want, do you want to tell us how old you are? <laughs> <laughs> I nice. don't mind. I feel I feel young. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's right. What uh? So what got you into <clears throat> upland hunting at 27 and not when you were younger? Well, growing up, I grew up on a farm, ranching, farming. So there wasn't a lot of a ton of time for hunting um what hunting we did do was you know shooting rabbits and squirrels and things out on the farm uh so <clears throat> i got into hunting when i 
got married to my wife and her brother was a avid hunter. And so I started going out with him and just doing big game hunting, deer hunting and whatnot. But what actually got me into uh, upland hunting is uh, <clears throat> there was a preserve out here in Arizona that opened up for uh, chucker and pheasants. And we decided to go out there one weekend and give it a try. And stupid as we were back then, uh, <laughs> we get out to the place and we're like, oh, yeah, we want to, you know, let's just do a handful of chuckers, a handful of pheasants. And the guy's like, okay, well, do you got dogs? And like, no, we don't have any dogs. He's like, oh, okay, well, I've got dogs. And like, well, we were just kind of thinking we were going to walk up and down the fields and see if we can flush them up. He's like, all right, well, good luck. Have fun. <laughs> so we tried that for, well, I don't know, probably about half hour, 45 minutes to, and we couldn't find a chucker or a pheasant anywhere. <laughs> so we went back to this guy with her tail between her legs and like, yeah, I think we're going to need some dogs. He goes, yep, they're pretty tough to find without them. So he had, um, <clears throat> And a couple of English pointers and two or three German short hair pointers, and he took them all out there. Now, I wasn't real, real hugely versed in hunting back then yet. So my idea, my idea of a bird dog was a, a lab, a, a lab, you know. Yep. <clears throat> That's what I thought a bird dog was. And uh, so anyway, he got these pointers out there, and they started doing doing their thing and going out there and you know, one finally locked up, then they all, the other three would all lock up right in a line with them, and uh, he says, all right, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to flush them up, and on the clear, and safe shot, you guys take them, and man, <clears throat> that's what, that's what bit me right then and there, that's, that's when I, that's what did it for me, is watching those dogs, watching them work, just the whole watching the you know, the bird rise out of the brush and shooting them and the dogs retrieving them back. I, I was, I was immediately hooked. And I think I probably Did you get had, a bird? I mean, half the time, half the time I hunt my Tyler and we'll go to those and just leave them all out there for the next guy. <laughs> I don't leave you know, them. I miss them. It, it was, it was so far long ago. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure we got a couple, but probably not all of them. Don't worry. When I miss, I always, I always don't remember either. That's my excuse. It's it's okay not to remember. The, the important part is remembering the dogs pointed and the birds flew. That's right. Yes. yes. That's awesome. So, so that anyway, your, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. That was your first experience hunting over a bird dog then? That was my first experience hunting over a bird dog. And I, and I think I had a bird dog. Um, probably within a year later. Nice. What and, was your first bird dog? Uh, my first dog, bird dog was a uh, English pointer. Nice. Awesome. And I probably had, I, I've had English pointers my entire life of hunting. Uh, the, the dog I have now, Charlie, <clears throat> he's my first German short hair pointer that I've ever had. So out of all the dogs you've had so far, has there been that one dog that has just set them apart 
you know, they say you get one, you get one dog in a lifetime. That's just like that perfect dog. Do, did you have one? Uh, well, I would yet? have to say, say, I'd have to, I'd have to say the dog I have now, Charlie is it. And I think a lot of it has to do from years of mistakes on my part of learning and training and finally working out all the bugs and finally know what the heck I'm doing when it comes to training dogs. And uh, so, yeah, he's, I, I'm extremely happy with him. Uh, the, the bird dog I had just before him was an English pointer. He did, he did really, really well. And I was, but um, Charlie, he's, man, he's just, I, I love taking him out hunting. He's, he's a pleasure to hunt with. Yeah. Do you know what's, uh, what's like the difference between uh, the English pointer and the German shorthair pointers that you've had? Um, the, from my experience, the ones I've had, uh, the German shorthair pointer, um, they're, they run, they, they run much bigger, much faster. Um, they cover a lot more ground quicker. Um, they, uh, but to me, that's in that and the short tail, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's about the biggest difference for me is just their ranging and, uh, how fast they, how much faster they go than a lot, than any of the English pointers I've ever had. The, a lot of the English pointers I had, you know, depending on what you're hunting, it can be kind of nice because my past English pointers, you know, they just kind of mosey around and kind of a trot and speed and they would go very methodical and check all the bushes and, and, but you wouldn't get very far, very fast. It was just, um, which was, if you went on a preserve hunt, which I did a lot of back then, um, it was perfect. Um, working those fills really tight, quartering really tight. Um, but when I got Charlie, my German short hair, that was, this was going to be my do-all, 100% uh, wild upland hunting. I wasn't planning on doing any more preserves. It was all just going to be a hundred percent going out public land and hunting wild birds. Yeah. And uh, that was a new curveball. <laughs> Sorry, what'd you say? I said, how did that, how's that been working out for you? So I had to, that, that was a learning curve for me going from hunting a lot of preserve hunting to, um, all wild birds, um, you know, the, you're dealing with a lot of different types of terrain, um, scenting conditions, um, you're, you're just dealing with a lot more out in the environment rather, you, you know, and when you go to these preserves, there's always bird scent out there because they're always, there's, they're always releasing birds and they're always planting birds out in these preserves. So there's always birds out there. There's always scent out there. And so when you go out on this public lands, you know, in a, in a way, I think that can help your dog. Cause so we hunted on uh, not to interrupt you. We hunted on a no, private piece of ground that was loaded with birds. And the guy told dog in that ton of birds. Well, it was me. Um, I think you were there, Tyler too. And another buddy. And we hunted this and we didn't lose a single bird, but usually 
one or two times a year, we'll take our dogs to warm them up that are preserved to kind of get them, get their noses working pretty good and get them running through the weeds and stuff. I think it has benefits. Oh, it definitely you know, has. Yes, it definitely. That, that too. I do. Uh, wild birds. I've, I, I go out to preserves just on a training purposes and do some training. Um, <clears throat> and where you get into uh, more difficulty hunting wild birds is like, for instance, uh, um, I like to hunt them, uh, the Mern's quail out here quite a bit. And Mern's quail do not put out a lot of scent. It's they're very, unless a dog is very, has been exposed to them a lot and has them really well figured out, there could be a covey on the ground and your dog would go right past them and not even know they were there. Hmm. So what's that? I said, that's kind of crazy that they don't yeah. know compared to no, they don't. They, normal quail. Uh, you talk to, you talked to a lot of guys in the, who've come out here the first time for the first time, a lot of times, if you're drop your dogs down on the ground and you're, and it's a bit of a warmer day, not, not a lot of moisture on the ground. It usually will typically take a dog, um, a day or two to finally, you know, get, figure them out. A lot of times the dogs will blow through the coveys. They just, they don't they don't get it they don't understand it or they just and they just don't know they're there they don't smell them or they think there's something there but they don't know what it is that they're smelling yeah that makes so sense. now when it comes to the other quail we have here they're this the scenting conditions or the there's the smell they put off is a little bit different dogs don't seem to have as hard of a time locating them but uh yeah if you want to go if you want to go hunt Merns, um, they're challenging. At least for me, they are. <laughs> yeah, I think we've heard that from others too that they are a challenging bird to hunt, but a fun bird to hunt, which is good. Oh, that's why they're my favorite. And there's another story by behind that why they're my favorite. But well, you might as well tell uh, it. Yeah, let's hear so, it. <clears throat> well, so you know, back when I first got into bird hunting, you got to realize we're looking at that was. Uh, uh 1997 <laughs> there was there was not the internet that there is today and social media and all that so um i've heard i heard of Mern's quail seen pictures of Mern's quail read about kind of where they are and it was a dream of mine to, in seeing the pictures of just that beautiful tall grass rolling hills you know the live oaks just that country it just man, I wanted to go there so bad. And in literally it was three and a half hours from my house. Well, you know, married six kids, busy with kids stuff, sports, all this stuff there. Were, and, and, you know, working your tail off, there was, I just never found the time to go out there and go hunt Merns. So long story short, it's taken me uh, 25 years to go finally hunt Merns. I, I did my first hunt, Merns hunt in 2018. Nice. With my dog Charlie. That had to um, feel good. Oh, and it was, it was, it was, it was like it was a dream come true. I was like, I was finally after all these years, I was finally there, doing it. And 
Charlie was Charlie was only uh, nine months old. But I just, you know, I said, okay, the kids are grown. I've got time to go spend a couple, two or three days and go up there and just start figuring it out. And that's what we did. And, and did you figure and, it out? Did you get some? I did. I got a couple. Um, and Charlie actually, um, first, the first bird he found, he blew through. And then the second, the second covey he found, he locked up on. And uh, I was able to get a bird out of them. And I think the next day, I think I located a covey and was able to get one out of there. And heck, I didn't even care how many I got. Just, <laughs> just, just, just being there and being able to just finally realize, hey, I'm here. I'm hunting in Mern's country. I'm, I've got a couple in the bag. Um, I was in heaven. That's what and, it's all about. Uh, yeah, it's you know, and I and I still don't I still don't get back there as much as I'd like to. It was being only being three hours away. This last year, I think it got down there, uh, five six days out of the season, which is I think the most I've done so far. And uh, I usually go spend a few days in Utah and hunt grouse and try to meet up with, uh, um. Matt Davis with Final Rise and those boys, Derek Allen, Allen Rasmussen. Yeah. And go and I uh, go hunt. I hunted with them two years ago. Couldn't make it happen this last year. Um, I really want to get back this year, but the way gas prices are, who knows? <laughs> yeah, we're, oh, we're supposed to be going to uh, Wyoming and, you know, we're either going to walk or bike, I think, to get there. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, yeah, it's a 14 hour drive. So. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it's a, if I don't end up going to Utah, it's a good it's a good excuse to spend more days hunting merns. Yeah. Yep. Do you have much uh, <laughs> habitat around where you live now, or do you always have to drive that far away? So I actually um, am very fortunate to have uh, public state trust land literally half a mile from my house. And it holds the area that I hunt or even go walking in, holds two or three coveys of uh, Gamble's quail in it. Oh, that's nice. And I actually use that as a source of my training. Um, I probably, I'll take, I'll take my dog in there and just let him go and uh, let, the, let the dog go out there and locate coveys of Gamble's and at that point in time, the birds are training them. The birds are teaching them. Yeah. They can teach them, you know, a wild bird can teach your dog more than probably I could ever. And oh, yeah. uh, so he's, he's, we're very fortunate in the fact that we can go out there and he's, he gets exposed to a, a, a lot of uh, um, bird exposure and wild flushes and uh, stuff that you just can't really m mimic out training in the field. Yep. So I mean, it's just like practice with any sport, right? Yeah. You can do as much as you, you can try as much as you want to make it game like, but there's nothing like an actual game to really teach you. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the, 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 the guy I got, <clears throat> the guy I got Charlie from, he's an outfitter in Texas. 
and all of his dogs. He, he, he breeds dogs and he also has a quail hunting outfitter and all of his dogs are 120 days in the field um, during quail season every year. And wow. that's Charlie's, that's Charlie's bloodlines right there. 120 and days. That's impressive. 120 days a year. Yeah. Dang. And so, uh, and he then he told me he goes, you know, I asked him some I, any chance I get still to this day, anybody has any training advice to give me, I take it. And uh, he told me, he says, you know, if you can get your dog out on wild birds, as as much exposure, the better your dog's going to be. Yep. And uh, and then he told me that uh, in the beginning of when I first got Charlie, he says, make it a point to get your dog um, on a, at least a hundred birds in his first six months. And he goes, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. I don't know if I, I don't know if I made it to a hundred, but then close. And he was right. I mean, Charlie just, he, he just lit up and all of, in everything oh, I was cow. throwing at him. Yeah. It was just a, it's, it was amazing. So yeah, he's doing really well. I'm very happy with him. Yeah. Do you do you run GPS on him? I do. I have the Garmin uh, Alpha 100. What's uh, what's what's Charlie normally ranging at when you guys are out? Um, he's. I got him pretty well flexible. Um, if he's in real heavy terrain, uh, heavy brush, heavy trees. Um, I can usually, I usually keep him right in around, uh, the 50 to 70 yard range. Um, if I'm out more in open country, I'm really don't go too much further. I, I really don't like him being out much more than a hundred yards, especially if you're hunting anything like gambles quail or, uh, um, scaled quail they're runners and a lot of times they'll and a lot of times they don't hold as well as uh merns do merns are very whole uh tight holding birds and gambles and scalies are not so a lot of times what can happen is your dog gets birdie and gets in starts going in on those birds they'll flush out before you're even in shotgun range and even have a chance yeah. So um, it's not all lost if that happens because what you usually do next is once a covey flushes, even if it wild flushes and you won't get a chance, your your luck even gets better because a lot of times what these birds do is once the covey separates, they'll 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 hold up in brush and they and they're more than likely to hold even tighter then because they've all been separated. Oh, yeah. How far do they usually So what we do then is, we, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes they'll go a hundred yards. Sometimes they'll go a couple hundred yards and we just, you just kind of have to watch where the cubby split off to and watch where they go. And then, uh, what I do is I just start making big circles and I start uh, locating singles. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and it's pretty fun. It's, um, 
every your best chance of hunting a covey of gambles and getting a covey flush is usually uh, right after a big storm. Um, scenting conditions are amazing. Uh, they, they hold very tight. At least that's what I've always run into my experience. I always try to go hunting right after a storm because it's just, it's perfect hunting conditions. It's damp. The scent is, you know, pretty sharp and the coveys are holding tight. And, uh, so they just, they don't go very far. And, and like I said, even, even, yep. even if you get a couple out of a covey, we still will start, we'll start working the dogs, making, making circles and just going wider and wider and circles work in the area. And you just, like I said, you just start picking up singles. It's a lot of fun. What would you, what would you say the average covey is? How many? 10, 12? And gambles quell. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so sporadic. It can go, you can go anywhere from four on up to, uh, the highest I've ever seen is probably 25 or 30. Oh, wow. Dang, that's, cool. that's kind of, that's kind of rare. If you wanted to do an average, I'd say probably around 12 to 15. As I say, Bob White's around here when I see him anyway, it's usually, oh, I would say eight ish. I don't yeah. ever see a, a ton, but it's like right around eight. I feel like every time I see a, a covey of quail around Iowa. So. And that's about what we get with Mern's quail. Mern's, Mern's uh, coveys are usually on the small side. Four, four, eight, ten. Ten is a big covey. I'm sure there's bigger ones out there, but on the average from what I've, at least yeah. my personal experience, what I've run to. If I see if I see eight ten, that's a that's a huge covey for me. Nice. Do you so what's so you you've basically been hunting public lands for the past oh, since what two thousand seventeen or two thousand eighteen? You said. Yep. When I got started. my yeah yeah that's when I first started hunting all uh, public land. So obviously, it was a huge learning curve for you. Um, what do you feel like as a handler and for your dogs, what do you feel like the learning curve was there? Have you ever wanted to process your own wild game from start to finish? Meet Your Maker has you covered. Mead makes professional grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Mead only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Mead also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry. And Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code Waypoint for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. Um, trusting your dog. Man, is the biggest, biggest thing for me. You know, when you go hunt, when you go and you go to a preserve, you know the birds are there. And it's just, you know, you're just waiting for your dog to lock up on, on something out there. And when you're out public land, wild bird hunting, it's like, you, you, you don't know where they are <laughs> and you don't know if there are any out there. And there's just been several times when I first started that, you know, I, I was smarter than my dog. I, I, been there. I had, you know, and I was just, 
and uh, it, you know, it just, it took some time for me to finally, you know, learn to, you know, you'd be walking around and my dog's walking up a ridge and I'm like, well, I really don't want to go up that ridge. And I see this, you know, cover over here um, that looks like better vegetation that I think quell or something would be in. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to push my dog to want to go over to and check those areas rather than, you know, following him, which was probably where there was probably a covey of quail up on the top of that ridge that I said, no, we're going down here. So it seems like every um, year though, I get taught that same lesson over and over. Ah, come on, beast. I don't think, ah, and all of a sudden, ah, <laughs> shit. Like, ah, the, the, man. The never coolest, learn. Never learn. <laughs> it doesn't pay cool, to walk the easy route. No, no, it doesn't. This last hunting season, uh, I was hunting uh, Gamble's quail. And... Uh, I was some in some nasty desert terrain. I was in just thick, nasty cactus and this really rock rocky face heel. And my dog wanted to keep going up in those hills. And I'm like, man, this sucks. There's just cactus everywhere. He was getting cactus in him. I was getting cactus on me. And this dog was determined to want to go up in this up in these hills and i'm like all right buddy i guess we're doing it and sure enough we we found uh two coveys of quail in those hills and so he had the drive to want to go there and he convinced me we needed to go and we went and it paid off but man it was you know we can't we came back home and probably spent two hours pulling uh cactus out at least it wasn't a porcupine (laughs) <laughs> this is true <laughs> now, i haven't had i haven't had that experience yet yeah. but i've, Me I've seen the i've seen some... i've seen i've seen the pictures and i'm like yeah no thank you yeah oh, that shit would hurt do uh what are the the cactuses like what kind of pants and stuff do you have to wear to keep them from stabbing through man i you know what i probably have about seven or eight pairs of different pants that i've tried and um, there's those those I hate I hate them <laughs> those those heavy canvas pants are probably your best bet to not get uh, stuck by cactus. Um, but I just hate wearing them because they're so heavy, so and they the, and they in yeah they're and they're very hot. So my best go-to pants that I've had that I've had success with is uh, Cabela's has those um, Instinct Prairie Runner pants. Have you seen those? I'll look them up quick. I haven't seen those. Yeah, those Instinct are... or Instinct? Like Instinct the band or Instinct? Instinct. Instinct Prairie Runner I pants. They, I haven't... They're, they're very... The pants themselves, the material is very lightweight and stretchy which I like. Uh, they have uh, the articulated knees, they have uh, zippered vents, pockets, and but the, the front facing of them that um, is really thick 
and I've I don't think I've ever had any cactus go through there. I like those suspenders so, on them. Yeah, huh? Yeah, you can get the suspenders. Um, so I really like those pants. My second go-to's when I'm uh, when I'm no, I'm not going to be in heavy cactus cover. Um, I like the uh, first light sawbucks. And a lot of people, I, I put a, a poll out on Instagram a while ago about pants. And a lot of people were talking about the, the first light uh, sawbucks that they really yeah. enjoyed them. Yeah, I really, I really like them. They're, they're lightweight. I haven't, lo- I haven't looked on their page, um, but maybe Pike Gear has something on there. They always seem to have some some crazy good gear from what I've looked, I, they, I they the have, I've heard like they've that. had really nice yeah I've heard they've had really nice guy uh pants I've talked to some guys that have said literally that's the only pair of pants they wore for five days out in the field straight <laughs> you know and is it, uh, are, are they called Kiowa is that a is that a I, I think so I think you're yeah I think you're right on that Kiowa I think so without looking it up let me check quick they're, they have a couple of different brands of pants. They have, I think there's two different kinds, if I remember right. But, um, yeah, so, but, you know, you get what you pay for, too. They're, I think their pants run over $200 a pair. Yeah. Uh, well, they're currently on sale for $109.95, but usually they're yeah. $220. Bucks. Oh, wow. See, there you go. Yeah. But they are. Yeah. Let's see. They're sold out. That's right. Yeah. As is we use, uh, <laughs> we put, um, oh God, Orvis chaps on. And those yeah. seems, I've had those for what, four years now? This will be my fifth. And they, uh-huh. those babies are still rocking. They're in great shape really? and they withstand. I mean, we hunt cattails and stuff when we're in South Dakota and whatnot. And my zippers haven't broke or anything on them. So I really like those. Yeah. I accidentally broke my zipper last year. I tried to put my boot on without realizing that the zipper wasn't all the way up and done fucking up. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it will stand cactus, but um, yeah, cactus would just be worth a try, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We have this. We have this uh, in some of different parts of Arizona. We have this cactus out here that's called Choya, and. It is the nasty of nasty cactus. It they call it jumping choya because literally you walk by it, it'll just really it'll just it'll just grab you and stick to you, and um, it's extremely hard to get off of you. Um, you get it on your dog. It's your your you get it on your dog. Your hunts almost your you might as well just go back to the truck and call it a day. <laughs> Even on short hairs, it sticks to them just like. Crazy. Oh, it actually, it penetrates your skin. It, like, oh, really? it, like, a, like needles. It literally goes in and they have little barbs at the end where they don't want to come out. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you. And unfortunately, there's a lot of areas, the, the, the gambles quell love those areas for protection from predators. Hmm. They'll, oh, yeah, because they wouldn't want to. You know, I'd go hunting in there without a dog. I wouldn't go hunting in there with a dog because I've done it. I learned the hard way and did it. And, uh, it was, it was a nightmare. I had, you know, as soon as a dog gets one on him, your dog's instinct is to grab it with its mouth uh, 
and try to fling it oh, off. Yeah. Well, now it's now it's all over in your dog's mouth. How small are the little burrs on it? Like, are they easy to see and feel, or they they can be very 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 small to larger spines? It just they're different variety of sizes. Um, you got if you Google if you Google it and look at the pictures, you'll see exactly what I mean. What the, kind of just, cactus is it again? It's it's called a uh, um, what did I say it was? Now I'm having a, something. Choya cactus, C O uh, C H O L L A, I think is how it's spelled. Cactus. But yeah, they're Look just. These um, you, it'll probably show you pictures of people that have gotten oh, yeah. on them. Sneaky jumping cola cactus. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's there. Yeah, you want to stay away from. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 horrible. I've there's pictures of people that have fallen in fallen in the stuff or oh. mountain biker mountain bikers that have uh wrecked and fallen into choy cactus oh and it's my just gosh. it's just all over their bodies and literally oh but yeah i've had my dogs have had it all over them i mean it's just like Jesus. and i've had to go home and literally spent hours sometimes days picking out cactus Jeez. You know, you sit there and take them or home neck, and get out. Get out. Cup, what... Walking through that. Get <laughs> 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 any, any there, Jesus. Yeah, no, it's not good stuff. You, you'd remember that poke. No. <laughs> oh my god. It is. Yeah, that's not a. <laughs> that's a. It's a good way to ruin a hunt in a day in a hurry. Yeah. So what a. How did your do have your dogs kind of learn cactus? I guess you know to like run around. You know my like dogs my, learn fences. You know, do they learn? Yeah, cactus? my dog. Yeah, my dog. Uh, so I I have hunted in spotty choya where it's kind of sporadic, not real thick, but it's there, and my dog has learned to steer clear of it as best he can. And so I have gone and hunted in those areas where it's just kind of some here, some there, and he can move and over around it quite a bit. In fact, that, that area I was telling you about where it was real nasty cactus and going up in the nasty hills, there was Choya in there um, that we were having to navigate around. Is it easy to pick out from a distance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah know if it looked like other cactus out there oh yeah you can i'll be driving down you drive down the a dirt road or a highway or something and you're looking I'm like nope not, nope not going in there <laughs> there it is it's like a bird refuge because they know nobody will be in there oh i know i know a lot of people that go that like to quail, hunt quail that don't have dogs and that's where they go so, and they probably have more success than a lot of us do with dogs. Yeah, if they can find them. They can find them in there, yeah. It's so. crazy that the birds just must be, <clears throat> that the birds it doesn't like stick to them or anything. Y you know, and I, yeah, just growing up around it, I guess they probably, yeah. uh, no, probably learn. From it and yeah. <clears throat> That's interesting. And if I 
and if if I was a coyote and I was trying to go in after a trying to get a, a gamble's quail and that stuff was in there, I'd be like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going in there. Do you see a lot of coyotes out in the desert? Um, yeah, you know, I don't see a lot of coyotes out in the desert when I'm out hunting, but the areas that I go training in, um, that I've, I've encountered coyotes. In fact, um, this last year, last summer, I was out training and I had two coyotes, uh, start circling us. Oh shit. That was that was kind of eerie. Was it in the spring? Yeah, they had pups nearby because I could hear them. I could hear the pups. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they were so um I when I first saw the first one, I brought Charlie back in. I healed him up next to me, and then I saw the second one. And yeah, they were circling in on us, getting closer and closer and closer. Did you carry a uh, with you? I had yeah, I, uh, yeah, I did. I had a gun with me and I thought, okay, boys. <laughs> yeah <laughs> any closer and it's lights out but um i uh i think i i think i threw a uh, started throwing rocks at them and they took off and they went back to their den have you seen so, that? what about uh what about snakes any, any snakes up there rattlesnakes there's 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 rattlesnakes everywhere uh, especially this time of year um, you, in the summertime. Yeah, your dogs yeah. train, train to so, avoid. Snakes? Yeah, I, I, I go, I go once a year and have a follow up done with my dog to uh, do uh, rattlesnake avoidance. And uh, you know what? What does that look like? What do they do? I'll tell you. So this year was a little bit different. They did it, the guy I take him to is a little bit. He did a little bit different this year. He had. This time he had two rattlesnakes uh, 40 yards apart. So what they do is you get your dog out there and he's on a, uh, uh, a check cord and they have a shot collar on him. And uh, basically you uh, let, you try to let the, you, you kind of lead, but try to let the dog figure out the scent of the rattlesnake on the ground out of curiosity. And um, once that dog gets into, a, you know, a few feet away um, and is showing curiosity, um, uh, we just, he'll light him up with the uh, shot collar. That, and the shot collar's turned up quite a bit. <laughs> it, will make a, it will literally make a, jump, a dog jump five feet in the air. I mean, that's how, that's how hot it, that's how hot that, Dang. that, uh, shock is. And, uh, but that's to give them the, that's to give them the old crap that hurt, you know, a reminder. Um, that's how they remember is, and what you're doing is you're trying to instill in them, uh, sight, smell, and sound of a rattlesnake. Um, you're trying to get, and, you don't, and you know, and sometimes you won't do it once. Sometimes you'll go in a second time to see what your dog's going to do. And I've watched dogs even go in after being shocked like that once, still go in on the second time. And you're like, Jeez. holy crap, really? So, but what's 
weird is, is this last year, so we had two rattlesnakes out this year, and he had one with a rattler and one with no rattler. Oh. And Charlie went cruising in and locked up as soon as he smelt that rattlesnake. Of course, he had the thing. The thing was rattling like crazy, and he so we you could definitely tell okay i can hear it i can smell it i can see it and he was literally he locked up and he was literally pushing against me like he was trying to push me away as well um so like okay cool he's good there so when then we went in on the second snake that had no rattler and charlie cruised right in on it <laughs> now the guy that I take him to, we talked about it for a minute. He goes, he goes, we can run him through it again and see what happens. He go, he goes, was it the fact that uh, there was no rattler that he went on it? Or was it the fact that maybe there was a sudden change in the wind direction and the scent where he didn't catch it? But because it was his third time being in uh being in on rattlesnakes and having that done uh we decided it was we were pretty confident in the fact that he understood you know what was going on because he got lit up he got within a few feet of that snake with no rattler and we lit it we lit him up and he was like do remember, the, remember do that those, <laughs> yeah do those, do those snakes do they take the venom out of them in case one gets bit yeah they do yeah they they de they defang him okay and devenom them, yeah, they do just as a safety precaution. And then, what's, um, the, what's the concept for doing the no rattle one? For I mean, do you is there times out in the wild when you run into them when they're not rattling, or is it pretty? Common? Yeah, sometimes it, um, sometimes it can be a your dog's out there running, and it can be a complete surprise to a rattlesnake that you know all of a sudden, bam, something's right there, and it wasn't being threatened by anything. So there's no rattling going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and by all means, it's, have you, ever had you a dog know, it's, bit? I have, I have never, my dog has never been bit yet. Thank goodness. Um, I'm usually pretty, I try, I'm usually pretty cautious about when and where I'm hunting. Uh, like I'll wait like here in Arizona, Gamble's quail, scale quail, um, they open, it opens up in the middle of uh, October, but it's still pretty warm. But, you know, I want to get out there and go hunting bad enough. I'll get up in higher elevation. I can get up around 4,500, 5,000 feet in elevation. And I'll go up, I'll go out first thing in the morning and it's, you know, 58 60 degrees which is still a little warm and you could you could encounter a rattlesnake but it might be cold it's cold enough to where they might be out but they're but it's cold enough for them to where they're just out trying to sun themselves and get warm and they're very very docile they're very very slow to move when they're when they're cold and they don't want to use that energy trying to strike at something yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in Iowa, we don't have <clears throat> snakes. 
don't mind the the coyotes and the raccoons and those, but yeah, a bunch of rattlesnakes. I would kind of say. I mean, there's there's I have timber a, rattles around here, but I've never ran into one. I think it's pretty yeah. uncommon. Yeah, I've got I've got acquaintances that their dogs have gotten bit by rattlesnakes, and I've just um, I've never never had to endure that. Thank goodness. And the area that I train with in, it's a, I train in a small, uh, it's like a 30, 40 acres, just a small parcel of land that's, it's, it's state trust land. So it's open to the, it's, you can actually, there's, there's properties and buildings all the way around it, but you can actually go dove hunting in it in dove season. Cool. Um, you, you have to follow the quarter mile rule, but, um, you can, I mean, they've got, yeah, you got, you got buildings and city streets, all the going all the way around it. And, and that's where I take him to train. And I've been taken into this area to train for, um, five years now. And I have never encountered a rattlesnake out there in this area that I'm at. So I feel, I feel pretty comfortable about working them out there and not having to worry about that. And, and we get out in this, we were talking about earlier, get how we, you know, how do we deal with the summer heat and training? Um, we're, we're out before the sun comes up. We're out in the, uh, we're out in the dark, putting GPSs on the dogs and getting water ready. And we're planting birds and getting stuff ready uh, as soon as first light hits and you barely can see what you're doing and then uh by the time uh by the time we have dogs on the ground uh you're you know you're probably five ten minutes into daylight how long are you guys running them for in the mornings um not very long maybe an hour and that's it yeah sometimes even sooner one uh, we may take one dog and do a short exercise, two or three birds, 20, 30 minutes, dogs, dogs back in the kennel. And we have to, we have to cycle through it pretty quick because it's getting hot pretty quick. So depending on, you know, a lot of times if I'm out with other guys and we're training dogs together and there's three or four dogs out there, well, you got to cycle through it pretty quick because, I mean, honestly, by, by seven, eight o'clock in the morning, it is, it is just too flipping hot for the dogs. Yeah. I can't imagine Arizona. But this, yeah, this, this last weekend, I took my dog out to run just to give him some exercise and get out and, you know, stretch his legs. And same thing. I was out at, I was out at 5 a.m. and uh, he ran maybe three four miles and that was it we were done we were packing up and going home and i typically usually when i go out and run run my dog um when it's not hot like this we're usually doing a 13 mile day well that's a that's awesome i just bought a yeah um oh i can't remember the brands called urban something but it attaches to your bicycle 
Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I here. know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I was looking at those. Yeah, it's like a basically like a a rod that sticks out. I think the rod's like a foot and a half, uh -huh. long, and then it has you can put a short leash on it or it has an extended leash on it. And I just got that this past week. Um, I've been working the dogs with it, and I like it because you can you can take them for you know the most we've done so far just getting used to it is three miles but it only takes like 20 25 minutes you know yeah you can you can cruise right along and it shakes it up from just you know going out and throwing bumpers every day and yep you know stuff like that so it, it's just a better way it, it's more getting their endurance built up rather than you know just the quick 50 yards out 50 yards back 50 yards, you know, yeah definitely yeah that's right but they seem to enjoy it obviously we just started with it but i'm still waiting for rabbit or something to bust down <laughs> pull the back wheels out from underneath me yeah that'll be interesting um i actually i actually had so when i run my dog i'm on a bike i don't have that setup that you were talking about i just um, he's out on his, uh, out on this check cord about five feet in front of me Yeah, and we've done it. We He's done it since he's a pup. So he runs out in front of me and he, and he knows, he knows, uh, the command over, over means to turn. So I can, I can say over and start leaning into a turn and he'll turn with me. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, he knows exactly. He knows exactly where we're going and how I want him to go. And if I say over, he knows to turn left or turn right, which way, based on which way I'm leaning. He's because, like I said, we've done it so much. Well, awesome. um, the problem is, I actually have Gamble's Quell in my neighborhood, oh. and we'll be cruising down the street, and uh, he used to just those things will go, they'll, they'll run, they'll start running down the street or running across the street. He'll, he'll want to dart on after him. But that was then. Now he'll actually, if he sees a quail, even in our neighborhood um, and it's running, he locks up, he stops and he watches it, which is like, thank goodness. Yeah. That's nice. Doesn't try to pull so, it. so, do you so have yeah, it hooked he, up? you don't have it hooked up to your, uh, whatever the handlebars you have it hooked up to like the little post on the front i wear i wear gloves and i have the i have and i'm just holding on to the i have that i'm holding on to the rope oh you're brave and that way if i have to if i have to i just let go of the rope and he's and and i'm and i'm free of any failures and <laughs> crashing yeah. <laughs> thinking about getting the same setup tyler has but my damn dog, he needs to piss on everything that's out there. I take him for a walk oh, yeah. and he basically wants to pull you over to that tree. So Tyler, I'm like, ah, I can <laughs> see it. First two minutes in, he's going to scent a tree and I'm just going to go fucking <laughs> flying off my bike. My wife even says, I don't think you should do it. So I'm like, uh, I, I want you to do it just. I want to do it, but I'm, 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 uh, I'm worried for my safety. <laughs> you need, you need to, you need to borrow it, see if it works, and then second of all, and then somebody needs to videotape it. Yeah. Just in case things yeah. go south. Oh. My <laughs> wife already. You've got it on video. She goes. She goes. I said, well, we gotta go to. We gotta go to uh, 
uh, a secluded area, so there's nobody around. So if I get drug across, <laughs> <the> freaking... <laughs> he's a he's a 90 pound lab, so he's pretty strong. So I oh, think if he wow. decided yeah. to go, he just boom, and my ass would go. I'd go down. But... <laughs> oh, all over. That's it. We're done. And that's. Yeah, I'm, well, gonna, I'm gonna need some of those. I'm gonna need some cactus pants and. I'm gonna have to yeah. put on my Harley, Harley Davidson gear to go out there and do this. He'll be, be BMXing out there. <laughs> Wear your helmet. People will be like, that. What the heck is he doing? What's this guy got going on? Yeah, I got one of those dog bite. Got one of those dog biting suits on. <laughs> Fucking so scared. <laughs> What's this guy got going on? Dogs are me. I mean, I'm afraid it. Afraid this guy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to get it and see what happens oh he's like he's so much better if i have him just like part of me is just like well i could just bike with him and keep him on a shot collar and he seems to listen so much better when i do that but some reason when i put him on a lead i don't ever have him on a lead like i could walk across the highway right now and make him heal all the way across but if i had him on a Uh, lead he doesn't doesn't want to listen yeah so you know what's funny is my dog if i go for a walk he He's very well behaved if I have a sh- if like I have the shot collar on him, and he'll heal the entire time and just behave like a champ. But man, if I take him for a walk and say, you know, I don't feel like putting the collar on today, I'm just going to take him out really quick. He wants to pull me the entire time. I'm like, dude, come on. Yep. So he they know. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, yeah they, they definitely know. I don't have that stupid thing on. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I wish I would have started the bike thing a lot when they were younger, just so they were used, you know, a little more used to it already. But we'll see how this summer goes. And I wished I could get away with just running and not even worrying about have them on a on a leash or some sort of restraint and just run next to you. But in my neighborhood, everybody'd be up in arms, freaking out about it. Yeah, there's a there's a Drive your dog on a lead, oh god! There's a lady, I don't know, well, a young, a young girl. She's probably in high school. That she has a little, uh, oh god, not a Yorkie, but a like. No, they're yay, yay long, and they're a light brown color. Have like pointy ears. Oh god, it sounds like Uh, like a little Yorkie. No, like I don't know what it is, but that dog, yeah, she'll walk downtown, like through people and she'll be on her bicycle that dog will just stay right next to her won't even be about two inches away from the tire she can go anywhere doesn't go anywhere stay wow it's awesome it's pretty cool mind with people they'd be wanting everybody to pet them (laughs) awesome well doug we appreciate you coming on the podcast Talking about getting into yes, the public you, land hunting, you. where you where you started to where you're at now, and uh, look forward to seeing your dog in the field. Some pictures and videos this year uh, on oh, yeah, Instagram, we, and oh yeah, it's always we're always having fun. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Getting out there and training dogs is what we like to do is get out there with people and help them with their dogs. So yeah. For sure. No, we appreciate it. We'll stay in touch. Absolutely. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll make it down to Arizona someday. Come on down, man. We'd love to have you. Thanks for having me on. Well, I will, away from I will for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a- 
All right. Awesome. We'll Thanks, talk to Dale. you later. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. We'll see you. Thanks, Thank guys. You.